0: What's up everyone and welcome to Roots of Humanity, a podcast that celebrates the beautiful people and culture of our world. My name is Drew Binsky. I'm a world traveler and content creator who has spent the past 12 years traveling to all 197 countries in the world. In today's episode, I will be chatting with my Russian friend and Siberian tour guide Natasha, who is a respected traveler, YouTuber, and political activist. At 22 years old, Natasha is a singular voice when it comes to what it's really like to live in Russia today, and not only Russia, but the Far East, in a town called Khabarov near the North Korean border. Our thoughts and actions are with Ukraine in this podcast as we seek to unpack our Siberian adventures together, which took place just one week before the war. This chat is different from the rest because together we'll process our emotions about current events, as well as talk about the future of Russia and why Natasha made the decision to move to Georgia.
1: I think that um, it will be hard for me to adjust in a new country.
0: Thanks for tuning in and let's get into it. Hi Natasha, how are you?
1: Okay, I'm glad that we finally met. <laughs>
0: For context, we just spent the last like 40 minutes going back and forth. I sent you a link, I couldn't hear you. You sent me a link, you couldn't hear me. And we couldn't see each other, but finally we got it to work. So how have you been?
1: It's a tough question nowadays, but in general, I'm you know better than three months ago.
0: Three to four months ago, I came to Siberia where I met you in Vladivostok and at the time we had known that there were talks about a potential war but we didn't really talk about it me and you it wasn't really a topic of conversation and life was just carrying on as usual and then i I ended up staying in russia an extra two and a half weeks after that and then i came back to the us and a week after that putin invaded ukraine and so the timing of that was crazy i can't believe that what's happened since i've seen you So I don't need to go into detail about what happened. I think everybody knows, but I just want to know that you're safe and things are hopefully okay for you.
1: Yeah, exactly. That month when I met you, uh, I remember I was receiving messages from my subscribers. They were asking me because in the Western media, there were a lot of conversations about the possible war. And I purposely went to watch some Ukrainian vloggers. I read the media and I didn't find anything of this. So we really, we didn't know. Nobody expected it. And then it happened. And since February 24th, my life changed and the future of Russia changed too but yeah I'm fine I mean I'm not the person who's suffering the most here
0: just so people can understand how big Russia is you're in Khabarovsk right yeah so you're in you're in like eastern eastern the far eastern part of Russia Siberia it's like an eight or ten hour flight to get to Moscow from where you are which is crazy like I in Arizona it's like it probably like a 10 hour flight to get to Moscow or 12 hour flight so we're almost the same distance to Moscow but just on completely opposite side so obviously all the political centers of Russia and where the war has been happening is is in moscow and and in in the western part of russia so how has it affected you the most is it the economy like the ruble has crashed like what have you seen differently on the streets than when i was there how is it different
1: first i have to say that russia is very centralized so all our life really depends on Moscow, so all the governmental political decisions, all the economy, all the taxes, and we really depend on what is happening there in the western part of Russia. At the same time, we are very far away, and life here is more, is slower, and uh, people here live just their simple life, but of course we read the news. The main thing that I noticed is the economy, yes, because there are a lot of restrictions, like you cannot uh, withdraw, your dola- withdraw your dollars uh, from your bank account. You can't take more than some of a particular amount of dollars abroad with you. Of course, prices prices increase like thirty percent to different goods. For some goods, even more. But you no, know, it didn't really affect me. Again, I'm not in the worst situation.
0: Right, right. Um, but like everything's open, like schools, buses, airports, like things are running like normal. It's just. People have less money because things are expensive.
1: Yes. And this is what shocked me in the first days when there was the war outbreak, because I'm going outside to the street and, you know, I'm really like politically active. I read all the news. I'm like considering myself an opposition activist, but people around the world just doing nothing. And I looked at them. I was so like angry. Why not expressing this? So because I was so outraged. But yeah, life is usual. But one more thing that has changed a lot is the general mood because people begin to be more and more reserved. Also, since February, there already has happened a lot of political repressions and people went to jail for just posting a picture or standing with a blank piece of paper. So people are becoming more scared and scared. And me too. That's why I'm trying to be so careful with my words on my YouTube channel. Basically, I just. Have to you know to to hope that my foreign uh, my foreign subscribers will read between the lines.
0: So what what's the worst that could happen to you? Like you say something bad about the government and they like what do they kidnap you? Like what what could happen?
1: They adopted some new laws. Now you cannot discredit the actions of the Russian military forces. This is one law. Another law is against spreading fake information, and fake is whatever is against the governmental agenda. Also, there are some other new loss, it's not even a problem. I can get a fine. uh, 10,000 rubles, it's not too much for me. Then if it's um harder, so there will be like, I'm saying will be, I hope it will not happen for me, but yeah, yeah. it's possible to have a court trial, to be detained, yeah, in the court trial they decide that you will have to pay the fine, then if it's more severe, you can be under the home arrest or go to like the temporary jail, but basically it's a, a real jail, yeah, it's not that I'm worried about like paying money, I'm worried more about stress that I would experience. This repressive machine is the offspring of the KGB system that did a lot, of um, bad things in the soviet times so yeah in general i'm so i become so scared
0: natasha do you remember that one time i got detained on the north korean border
1: (laughs) we guessed it because that tough atmosphere that you experienced there especially as a foreigner like for me it was usual all these like military guys but probably for you it was like unusual like uniform
0: for people that aren't aware i'll make this like i'll summarize it really quickly but I had the idea to go to a town called Khasan, which is on the border of North Korea and Russia. There's only an 11 kilometer strip of land that connects the two countries. And so in Vladivostok, it's a six hour drive. So the first day I met Natasha, we actually went to go to the North. I, I wanted her to come with me because she's a YouTuber and I thought it would be a great idea. And so we had another girl who drove, what was her name again? Christina. Christina, who's from the nearby town. And then we drove down there, everything was fine. And then the moment we got to the actual town, which is like on the border, there was a checkpoint and then they only spoke russian and then they they the scariest part about it was well first of all i was in a car with four russians all of you guys were fine because you have a russian passport me with an american passport was a problem i needed to get a permit to be there which i it's kind of a gray area like i don't know exactly what the rules are well there was a sign but the sign was at the town itself it said like you need a permit to enter so i didn't have the permit the scariest part of that whole story was when the when the military pointed at me and said you come here and your friends cannot come and I couldn't bring my phone. Not having my phone was like the scariest thing because I couldn't text you guys. I really thought they were going to kidnap me. I thought they were going to put me in a location that you guys don't know about and that they would hold me hostage. Like, you know, Brittany Griner, you know who that is? The basketball player. She's still in Russia right now. And she's been using it as a political pawn by the Russian government. So that could have happened to me. And, and obviously North Korea is not a friend, a friend of the U S either. So anyways, I was detained for like hours. And finally you guys were able to come in and chat and, And and, ended up being a big warning and we had to get the hell out of that town but that was one of the craziest stories i've ever made and it's on youtube right now we filmed something by the way hopefully someday you'll be able to post it but it's okay if it's like in next year i understand if you don't want to post like happy no, content i,
1: I will uh, yeah i'm actually working on it i will soon oh cool and the funniest thing is that uh, it happened because also their printer was broken and their yeah, translator yeah. was quite not so well terrible. qualified He you know like five words in English.
0: His English like license was from like a fake
1: Yeah, it was some like fake English school. I mean not fake but they have courses like learn English in a week.
0: So the official English translator in Russia had learned English in like a 10 hour course and literally he didn't know anything. Like you just know hello, how are you, like why are you here. Anyways, it's pretty crazy uh, to me how different the situation is now and and uh, once again I'm glad that you're safe. and i I hope that you're able to escape and continue making videos your videos are amazing by the way so keep keep them coming but uh let's let's not dwell on the the negatives anymore people have heard about the war and we all feel for the people of ukraine i'm fascinated by russia russia is the biggest country in the world by a landslide the second biggest country in the world is canada but it's not even close in terms of the the area of russia and there's only like what 150 million people in russia
1: 140 million.
0: that's crazy that's like less than half the amount is in the US which is bizarre for such a big landmass but I'm fascinated by Russia because in the west you know Moscow and St Petersburg are as European as any city can get it's very European the buildings the metro the way that the streets are laid out and the bar culture and all that stuff but like you go to the eastern part or Siberia I went to Yakutsk which is the coldest city in the world in Yakutia and then I went down to Vladivostok the most interesting thing for me and then I'll have you speak about it as a person from there but I used to live in Korea for years. So Vladivostok is like a one hour flight from Seoul. And I thought that it would be like similar, like culturally, I thought we would find the same kind of things. But when I went to Vladivostok, it was so interesting because it, it was like a European city that was stuck in Asia. The people are m- predominantly white. The buildings looked European. I just felt like I was in Europe. Like it, it's weird, but I was so I was so close to Japan and Korea. The town that you're from, Khabarovsk, is not that far from Vladivostok. It's like what, five hour train, 10 hour train? Like 10. So tell me what it- was like to grow up in Siberia? Um, Did you have good memories as a kid? Did you like the life? Was it comfortable? Just talk about growing up in in Siberia.
1: Okay, yeah, it's so relatable when you said that as a foreigner, you thought that Vladivostok is more like similar to the South Korea. And I get a lot of comments from foreigners who are surprised to see that they're mostly European architecture and culture here in the Far East. Yeah, I think the reason to it is that our region is really young and it was uh, populated by Russian uh, settlers came here in the end of the 19th century when there still was Russian Empire. That's why we managed to have this beautiful architecture. This style of, I heard that it's called like It's like Russian mixed with European, something like this, and that's why we have these beautiful buildings. But then uh, the Soviet power came and, well, they also have their interesting types of architecture, but... Then they began to build this uh, horrible apartment, you know, these just boxes and people live there. Yeah, and that's why our cities are not that different from cities in other parts of Russia. Still, I think the reason of this, that we're still Russia, Russia, as I said, we're really dependent on Moscow. Everything is coming from there. We don't have our identity. Actually, in the Russian criminal code, we have an article Against the separatism. So, if I say that I wish Lady Vostok and Khabarovsk were a different country, I can go to jail for like calling for separatism or because the Korean islands they like belong to Russia, but also Japan wants to take them. And if I say I wish Japan had them, I also can, it's dangerous to say.
0: Doesn't it kind of bother you that Moscow is so far away, but like you're kind of ruled by Moscow? Like I keep looking over here to my left because there's a huge map on my wall of, of the world. And I'm looking at where Khabarovsk is and I'm looking at Moscow and it's like, even in Yakutia, there are some people that have like never left Yakutia and they look Asian and they com- they're completely different than people in Moscow. So does it ever kind of bother you? Or do you get the feeling that the people of Siberia, like even though they can't speak it, but they, they feel so culturally disconnected to what's happening in Moscow?
1: Yes, I feel that we're like, deceived i mean all the taxes are going to moscow i'm not i'm not i don't want to say that people in moscow are like so super rich i know i have friends from moscow my peers and they like we're on the same boat really the only one who profit from our money is the top of the government but okay i'll not talk about them here in the far east in siberia in yakutia of course we are so far from there and uh, one of the evidence of this is that in the 2020 there were protests in Khabarovsk. The protest was sparkled by the fact that our local governor was arrested. And we don't really know if he's like is to blame or not of what is being alleged upon him. I don't know. But the thing is that people used this protest as an opportunity because they were so outraged for years because of the fact that Moscow, the Kremlin is putting its rules here, and there were 30,000 of people in, in, of Khabarovsk uh, protesting. It's a lot, yeah, for, for the 600,000 city in Russia, it's a lot. So, I mentioned this protest because, for me, it was an important cultural event. People would make, like, installations with uh, they were waving their um, white, uh, green, blue flag of the Khabarovsk territory. So, for me, it meant a lot for the local identity. And the part of this identity is it's been built on the fact that we are not Moscow. We're a federation, but it feels like we are a colony of Moscow.
0: In terms of um like community and things to do and making friends, like do you feel really connected to Kobarovsk? How big is Kabarovsk?
1: Six hundred thousand people. That's
0: not that small, especially for Russia. That's actually a big city. Like in the US, that's a tiny city. Like in Phoenix, where I live, there's 5 million people. And it's like the sixth biggest city in America. Do you feel like different than the rest of people around Russia? Like what is unique about Khabarovsk? Am I saying it right? Khabarovsk?
1: In Russian, it's Khabarovsk. But we know that it's hard to pronounce. That's why they they in English tradition, it's Khabarovsk. But I don't know what's correct. You can say both.
0: Did you know that in America, the word Siberia is like the most foreign, but also the coolest word ever? Did you know that?
1: Wow. No. <laughs>
0: we know like siberian huskies and all we think about siberia is like freezing cold weather which is true what's the temperature these days
1: well now it's may i see it's cloudy but it's like plus 20 celsius oh
0: that's that's pretty warm here where i am is like plus 43 right oh now my God. yeah it's crazy is it safe is it cool like what's the food like just dive a little bit deeper into Khabarovsk. what was it like to grow up there
1: I come from a small town of Spazdelny. it's uh, to the south from Khabarovsk, and I must expand on the term of the far east and Siberia, because you call it Siberia, and Wikipedia shows that Siberia is uh, everything to the east from the Ural mountains. But here in Russia, we don't call ourselves, I mean, the Khabarovsk, Khabarovsk, it's not Siberia, it's rather the far east. That's why Siberia is more like Novosibirsk, Irkutsk. Siberia is just everything that is to the east of the Euro Mountains, so there are different terminologies to it. What I'm trying to say is that the uh, experience of people growing in the Far East is different from region to region. So I grew in the Far uh, in Primorsky Krai, Primorsky Territory, in Spask, but I actually got to experience the beauty of the nature of that region only when we went to the vlog, uh, to, to vlog with you to the to the town to the Korean North Korean border. So. Because I lived in Spask, it's like a smaller town. Vladivostok is completely different because it's on the seashore. Khabarovsk is different too. Uh, so I never been to Sakhalin Island. It's just another world. I know that there it's very common. Um, it's very popular to do snowboarding.
0: Is that the Japanese slash Korean, uh, Japanese Russian island? What's it called?
1: Sakhalin Island.
0: It's just north of Hokkaido Island in Japan, like just north. And it's just east of Vladivostok and it's a it's a long skinny island north and south to my knowledge it is Russia but there's a lot of Japanese settlers and Japanese influence so the people are a mix they, they, they actually look japanese and some some of the food is japanese and some of the traditions but it's but it's governed by russia tell me more about this island i'm fascinated by it
1: yeah so i'm uh, fascinated about the second island too actually it used to be a place for sending convicts of the russian empire so it was populated by convicts i read about uh, history of this uh, island also yeah in the 20th century um, in the probably in the beginning it was populated by Japan and then Russia took over and now they still have like beef about it. (laughs) (laughs)
0: I love that you just said beef that you're like literally a native English speaker that was fantastic
1: thank you yeah just know (laughs) it's like a slang word yeah so also in the south of the Sakhalin island there is a beautiful um, lighthouse Aniva it is so beautiful and it's so hard to get there but it's just a very famous landmark I wish I could go there and also yeah in the Sakhalin they have local indigenous peoples called the Nif also uh, Ainu people very interesting. And of course, Russians, Russians, Ukrainians, and just um, any other ethnicity that were populating this territory. So yeah, it's a very interesting region. And I know that it's uh, the oil production is um, common there. And there are a lot of snowboarding because they have uh, mountains or hills. I'm so fascinated by how much of potential our Russian regions have. I think that uh, cycling could be another Switzerland for people who like like winter sports.
0: Yeah, the the nature in general of, of Russia is fantastic. I mean, for the winter time, it's just so cold. And so you have so many cool winter sports going on. I went to Lake Baikal. It's the world's deepest... Freshwater lake. It is the biggest lake. Uh, it has the highest volume of water, and it's just north of Mongolia. And it only freezes over for like three weeks of the year. Actually, it's it's only in fe- in the month of February usually. And we happened to go there. Me and Andre happened to go there like right when it froze. And even the people in our hotel in Irkutsk, which is a nearby town, they said don't walk on the on the lake. It's not it's not frozen yet. And when we got there, people were already starting to ice skate on it and do the um the hovercrafting. You go and like. Like a machine you're floating over the ice you're not touching the ice but there's like a propeller in the back like a big fan it's kind of like if you ever go in the swamp and a swamp tour in Florida they'll, you'll go on this like boat and you with a big fan and it pushes you anyways so the moment we got there everybody started going out again and, and I ice skated on that lake and it was probably the most surreal feeling I, I felt like complete freedom but I guess it's ironic to say <laughs> uh, <laughs> being in Russia but having my ice skates on and just Going as fast as I can on this like endless piece of ice was the coolest feeling ever. It's just, it's a gem. It's one of the coolest places in the world. And Irkutsk is also a fascinating town. They have these like old wooden houses. I think it's a UNESCO World Heritage Site. I also went to Novosibirsk, which, did you see my Soviet train video? Yeah. Trans-Siberian train. Yeah.
1: Drinking with the guys on the train. <laughs>
0: that was a funny one, wasn't it?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's always funny.
0: That train was from Irkutsk to Novosibirsk, which is like a 30-hour train. What a fascinating experience. I-, I can go on and on about my trip to Russia. It was fantastic. But um, Novosibirsk, I found to be quite boring. It's the third biggest city in Russia, but it was just a big city and there was no charm. It didn't have that like uniqueness. Have you heard that from other people?
1: Yes, I heard that their architecture is pretty boring, just like the black buildings. Maybe it's because of the Soviets' uh, architecture. It's a scientific city. They have like a separate science town
0: and did you know that i was planning to go to vladikavkaz do you know this story but i couldn't go
1: because it's also like a bordering town
0: yeah so apparently when i crossed into when i was in kastan i signed the paper that says i cannot be seen at another border town of russia well vladikavkaz is near the border of south ossetia which i wanted to go to which is an unrecognized territory and I was told by my local guide, I sent them photos of the contract that I signed. They told me I could enter South Ossetia, but I would be stuck there. I wouldn't be able to go back into Russia. That's what they said. And so, and, and there's no airport in South Ossetia. So I would be like, I'd be completely screwed. So I had to cancel that. And I ended up just going to uh, St. Petersburg instead, which is beautiful. But no, I really do have a fascination for Russia. I think it's, listen, I, I, I'm i very against politically what's happening. So all of my comments now are coming like from a general point of view before the war. And just generally speaking, I think Russia is such a cool country because you have such a contrast of people, of ideas, of cuisines, of religions. I, I was going to go to Kazan, which is uh, the biggest Muslim population in Russia. Have you ever been there? No. It sounds like you got to do some more russia travel someday
1: yeah i visited i mean i traveled in the us more than in russia I Visited only far east and uh, moscow but i'm so happy for you that you managed to see it before the war and because now i think it's impossible and kind of scary just for foreigners to go to russia
0: do you think that like forever like people going there it won't be the same
1: so russia like is is becoming more totalitarian country more closed they are making more bizarre laws and people are arrested for more and more absurd things so it feels that russia is closing up and unfortunately It's happening and probably, yeah, there will be like a change of power in the next years. I don't know. But I hope that maybe in 10 and 20 years, uh, Russia will recover first. We have as a society, as a country to apologize for all that we did and then to rebuild our culture, economy, whatever.
0: I can see how emotional you get when you talk about the situation. And I want to say thank you for having the courage to talk about it because I know it's difficult. It's your country. It's where you live. But for someone with such an open mind and you're a traveler and you're a YouTuber and you have many foreign friends, it must be specifically harder for you to deal with the situation than it is for somebody who's maybe never left Russia or has all their family and friends there. I applaud you for being so bold, but I understand that you still have to be careful what you say.
1: Yeah. Thank you.
0: Are you planning to travel anytime soon?
1: Yeah, I'm actually on my way to move out from Russia because... um... I'm now, I'm graduation, hopefully the next month, finally, from my university here in Khabarovsk, planning to go, Uh, you know, we Russians are not allowed to many countries because of our weak passport, so probably I'll go to Georgia, and uh, from then I will uh, decide where I'm going next. So Georgia is a beautiful country, many Russians now found their asylum there, temporary asylum for some, so yeah, I hope I'll find my place there, and then I don't know. As for travel, traveling just for fun, it's not in my priority now because the most important thing is just to find a safe place now where I will be not arrested.
0: Are you nervous to go to Georgia? By the way, Georgia is is one of my favorite countries in the world. It's amazing. Are you scared? Do you know anybody there? What are your thoughts on moving to Georgia?
1: I have uh, some good friends of mine there. Yeah, and one friend, he's like advised me, he's actively promoting this country, he's saying that it's great. I think that um, it will be hard for me to adjust in a new country. Georgia is, uh, so they are speaking Georgian, the young generation speaks English, and the older generation speaks Russian, as far as I know. Yeah, so maybe I'll be even fine with English and Russian there.
0: Yeah, English and Russian can get you, can you can speak to anybody in Georgia with English and Russian. The Georgian language is very difficult. Have you ever seen what the writing looks like?
1: Yeah, the writing it's I just like the letters. I want just to learn them.
0: I did a video like the world's most bizarre language, and it's it's about Georgia, and all it's a bunch of little circles and squiggly lines. But no, I have some good friends in Georgia. I can connect you with them. They're, it's a fantastic country. It's very safe. Obviously, it's a former Soviet country that became independent in 1991, I think, or 1992. But it's really cool. Uh, not, not only Tbilisi, there's also um, Batumi. It's on the Black Sea. Yeah. I would really look into that. And they have a really good wine. It's famous for wine all throughout Georgia. Very nice people. I would highly recommend Georgia. And I'm glad to hear. I might come visit you when you're there.
1: <laughs> of course.
0: When are you planning to move?
1: I think in a month, maybe in a month and a half. Really? Yeah, real soon because so I'm graduating now. I finally wrote my paper, but I'm kind of not too ready for this. I don't want to leave. I want uh, it's safe for me to leave, but going out of your comfort zone. Yeah, but I'm ready.
0: Do you plan to keep making videos in Georgia?
1: Yeah, I'm planning to continue my YouTube channel because basically my YouTube is my hobby slash job now.
0: It's a profitable business and I think it's an amazing opportunity to keep making content. How old are you? I'm 22. You're nine years younger than me. That's crazy. And how many of the YouTube subscribers
1: do you have? 315,000.
0: Your engagement is super high for the amount of subscribers. You're getting hundreds of thousands of views per videos, even some in the millions. I think the comment section. That's how. That's how you really can tell if people are tuning in. You get like thousands of comments. For each video, that's pretty cool. When I was 22, being a YouTuber wasn't even possible. I mean, maybe it had just started, and I was living in Korea teaching English at that time, which is crazy. You're on a really good start. So my advice to you would be to continue doing YouTube because YouTube is amazing and the community that you can grow there, and obviously you can have it fund uh your, your everything. By the way, do you get paid from YouTube in, in rubles to your bank account?
1: I was paid in dollars, and from Patreon also in dollars but now um both of these ways i cannot get paid you have to create a bank account in another country and yeah
0: oh my god that's another reason to get out yeah but you you rebranded. I told you like four months ago. How many times did I tell you that? I was like, Natasha, you can't have two Instagrams of like the same content. You have to just like make a brand. Your old account was called Yeah Russia.
1: Yeah, the name of the channel was Yeah Russia. I never liked it, so finally I renamed it to Natasha's Adventures. As for Instagram, I wish I didn't have to have Instagram at all. Like I know it's important so that your subscribers to follow your life there, but still, I don't like Instagram
0: you know what? It's not that important. A lot of my YouTube subscribers don't use Instagram and vice versa. Mm -hmm. So don't feel pressured to use Instagram if you don't like it, really. I think you can continue to make YouTube videos and people will follow you for that. And I still get people that message me about our videos together and they really loved it. And hopefully you got some positive messages from from the videos too. I can't wait to see your video. It's gonna be fun. Re- remember that frozen waterfall we went to?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, also we'll include it.
0: <laughs> I didn't even know a waterfall could freeze. I thought the water is like always moving, but it almost looks like it was a picture of a waterfall. It looked like it was still moving, but it was just frozen. That was cool. But what I love about your stories is that you just keep it really raw. You just film on your phone and you just like walk into supermarkets and just do like really interesting things. Well, the far east of Russia is so fascinating. The fact that I can even talk to you about that is great because very, very, very few people speak English in that part of the world. Very few. I mean, of course, in the universities, people study English, you study English. But like if I walk up to a random person, I think one in 100 people could actually speak back, maybe even less. So I, I, I really think it's cool that we can have a, like a, a cool conversation about Russia. Let's, let's pretend like we're, we're six months ago right now. What, what's the the best thing and the worst thing about Russia, to you personally?
1: Well, I can talk about some little details, like I like the public transportation, the Moscow metro, I like the nature, and sometimes, you know, when the grass in the street is not well taken care of, but on the country is like really wild. I like it. I like the aesthetics of such places. I like to show it in my videos, probably. That's why... People watch it. Also, I mean, Russia has a great culture and great people, young, smart people, not only young people, just smart people. And um, overall, say, we have a great potential as a country. We have so many opportunities for the development. Speaking of development tourism or education people, it felt that uh, since the beginning of the 2000s, Russia was going its uh, progressive way uh, but now it's kind of sad. Um, I will talk about the, the bad side. Probably, yeah, the drawback of living in Russia was that feeling that something, it's like a fake democracy. Well, it's, it never was a democracy, but it is something like, yeah, especially in Moscow, you can drink this coffee on the soy milk, enjoy if you're, especially if you're like IT worker. But at the same time, people are being put to jail for like a picture or there are a lot of political repressions still in recent years. So for me, the political situation has always been like the main. You no, know, something is wrong here. So uh, it, especially as a child, I understood when I was a child they'd say that children, you they understand when you lie to them, something like this. So since my teenage years, I was like, hmm, you are some, something was wrong. with You, but it is what it is.
0: It is what it is. And how did you learn English so well?
1: Um, always liked to talk to foreigners. Probably this is what made me to create my YouTube channel then in the future. But in in my 13 years, well, I studied it in schools since the second grade, uh, since nine years old. But it depends on the school. In my school, it was not taught properly. But what helped me is my hobby. So I was so fascinated to get uh, letters and packages by, by real snail mail from foreign pen pals. And yeah, we collected coins, like stamps, even sent a just to each other. So this is how I just, I was. So it was seemed like magic. If I tell to the 13 year old myself that in 10 years, I will be having a YouTube channel, like traveling, talking to foreigners. I wouldn't believe myself. So yeah, it really helped me. Uh, I mean, psychologically in that age, because I had friends in different countries and just to, to improve my you know worldview, I became came really, I don't know, versatile, open-minded. Then I moved to the university. My major is linguistics here in Khabarovsk. So we studied English in the university thanks to it, even though I don't like the Russian higher education system, but still. Yeah, then in uh, actually two years, I went to the U.S. uh, by some exchange program, like I won the scholarship for the program. So I studied in Minnesota for two semesters. Also, it was a big boost for my English. And after that, I returned, but my YouTube channel helped.
0: Minnesota is a great state to live in. It's like very nice people. It's true America. I'm happy that you went to Minnesota and not like Florida or LA or, or New York. No offense to those three places. I just don't think they're the, the best representation. Do you agree?
1: I managed to see all these states you mentioned, but I just traveled there. So I I actually th- visited 16 states. I had limited time. So me and my friend, we, we went to Phoenix.
0: That's where I am now. This has been a great conversation. I feel like I could keep talking to you about life in Russia and, and your next steps, but you're in a really good path. You're 22. This is going to be a fun conversation to look back on in a year from now, like because you're just about to move to Georgia and you're about to have this incredible life-changing experience i think and a a new life in georgia i really appreciate your time i know we're on like a 17 hour time change right now so it's hard to find a time to chat but is there any last words of wisdom any kind of message that you want to say to anybody in the world listening right now
1: i'm always so bad in saying such last words but okay i will try i really like what is written on your t-shirt we're all the same because this is what I um, understood after sh- uh, making videos about Russia, showing Life in Russia to my foreign subscribers, and after reading their comments, I see that we're all the same. And yeah, we have different languages, like different cultures, food. But especially in the recent months, I, more than before, realized myself as a part of the world community, a world citizen. So I really, maybe it's an achievable dream, but I really want our humanity to be just humans to be more human to each other. And um, what I also understood when we were stressful times in Russia in the beginning of March, I understood how important it is to be around your people who support you, just be kind to each other.
0: Natasha, that was like very inspiring and very beautiful, even if you were a little bit shy to answer the question. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your time.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for inviting me. I mean, uh, when we met with you filming that video, it was such a professional boost for me. I was like, wow, from now on, I will be a professional YouTuber. Yeah, so it's really inspiring for me too. Thank you so much.
0: Asiba <laughs> До Bye-bye.
1: Bye.
0: Thank you so much for tuning in to this podcast episode. If you feel inspired by this conversation, please share it with somebody who would enjoy listening. And if you're here for the first time, make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Also, don't forget to leave a review. Every week, I'm going to be looking through them and highlighting my favorite one. And with that all being said, I will see you guys next week. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes.